Well, I promised the confirmands that I would use lots of pictures and I would give them mints after they had their lock-in on Friday. So now would be the time, friends. The scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to the risen Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But not everyone believes it. Meet Didymus, also known as Thomas. Thomas is a Greek name, and as you have just heard, it means twin. If Thomas did in fact have a twin, the Bible never talks about him. In using some creative imagination with the text, some suggest that perhaps we are all his twin, each one of us. That doesn't bode particularly well for us because we all know the nickname for Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Doubt. Doubt can be unsettling and disorienting. It can even feel like the scary monster under the bed or in the closet. I like the closet better because I can shut the door and keep it hidden from you. I don't want you to judge me because I may have doubts from time to time. You can imagine how I thought that when I was sitting in the front row of this congregation with my young family 20 years ago. Or in my 10 years working in this church, many of those as the family ministry director. If you think that was bad, you can imagine how I'd like to buy another lock on that closet door now that I'm one of your pastors. And how about you? Do you ever have doubts about God? If you do, you too may be keeping them hidden. I'm not sure that the church has done a great job of welcoming doubters or even creating the space where we can be real with one another. We are certainly more comfortable if everyone would just toe the line. Let's all say the Apostles' Creed together with gusto, like faithful people have said for over a thousand years. As part of the confirmation process, our students are asked to write their own faith statement. They look at the Apostles' Creed as a framework, and then they write what they believe in this moment in time. Actually, this would be a wonderful exercise for us all to do. One student wrote, I believe that God is our maker and father in heaven, 
and loves all his children unconditionally. His creation is majestic, impressive, complex, and beautiful. Another wrote, I know that God put us all on this earth for a reason, which is to share his love with others all around the world. Another wrote, my faith is based on a strong connection with the church, its people, and a strong belief in God. One of our students wrote her statement of faith as a poem, and I asked her if I could share it with you, and she said yes. Thank you, Grace. I believe God is our Father who created every person with a purpose. I believe God is our Savior who died, rose again, and will one day resurface. I believe the Holy Spirit is our guide to bring us to our Lord by showing us the way. I believe the mission of the church is to unite our faith, to allow us to live by his word and not stray. I believe following Jesus is meeting his commands. Through Christ, we shall find the light. I want to follow him through the church. Through her, he will be seen right. The Bible opens my heart and shows me the best instructions before leaving earth. The Bible ignites my spirit and shows me how to meet him in death through my rebirth. A pastor that I have admired once said that faith is a team sport. We need each other in the church to hold one another up when we aren't strong enough on our own two legs. Part of why she loves to say the Apostles' Creed in worship is because on those days and in those seasons where she doubts a line in the Creed, she knows that there are others around her who still believe it to be true, and she rides on their belief until the Spirit renews and refreshes her and gives her faith to believe again. She's an edgy pastor, and she has a lot more courage than I do to admit that. My upbringing most likely feeds into my fear of doubting. I don't think this is true for the Compromands or for the Millennials today, but I grew up in a time when we did what we were told and we believed what we were told. There were four words, most often spoken by my father, that ended the conversation. You know what they are? Because I said so. <laughs> Period. There would be no discussion, no point, counterpoint, the authority had spoken. Although it was efficient, I'm not sure it was effective in building relationships or promoting lasting change. This old school authoritative approach doesn't seem to work anymore. Looking back at the Gospel of John, it didn't really seem to work then either. Mary runs and tells the disciples, Jesus is alive, but they don't believe it until they experience, for, experience it for themselves. Now that's not that unusual because Mary was a woman back in the day when women had absolutely no voice and no authority. Jesus walks through a locked door and says, Shalom alchem, peace be yours. He shows the disciples his hands and his side and he asks the disciples to believe and hallelujah, they believe. But Thomas is a different story. Thomas was absent that first day that Jesus appeared. The disciples, who are not only part of the respected gender, 
but they are close friends and ministry partners with Thomas, and they tell him with great authority, we have seen the Lord. And what does Thomas say? Unless I see him for myself, I won't believe it. What? I don't want to be a twin to that. Well, at least I don't want to admit it. Miss Kyle Schwartz, a third grade teacher in Denver, Colorado, gave an assignment to her students in an effort to better know her students and their needs. The instructions were simple. Complete this thought. I wish my teacher knew, dot, dot, dot. Students were given the choice to remain anonymous or to sign their names if they felt comfortable. Most not only signed their names, but they were willing to read the responses in front of the class. I wish my teacher knew I don't have a friend to play with. I wish my teacher knew I don't have pencils at home to do my homework. I wish my teacher knew how much I miss my dad because he got deported to Mexico when I was three years old. I wish my teacher knew sometimes my reading log is not signed because my mom is not around a lot. Ms. Schwartz said, building community in my classroom is a major goal of this lesson. After one student shared that she had no one to play with at recess, the rest of the class chimed in and said, we got your back. And the next day during recess, Ms. Schwartz noticed that this little girl was no longer playing alone, but playing with a group of other girls. Not only can she support her students, but her students can support one another. And I wonder, what if we did that in the church? I wish my pastor knew, dot, dot, dot. And then we would all share our answers together. Mr. Rogers wrote, anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that's mentionable can be more than manageable. When we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we're not all alone. The same thing can be said of our doubts, right? When we can talk about our doubts, they become less important. They become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we're not all alone. In my inbox this past week, I read this wonderful devotion by Max Lucado that was on point. He wrote that Christ distributes courage through community. It dissipates doubt through fellowship. He never deposits all the knowledge into one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to many. When you interlock your understanding with mine and we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess, and pray, Christ speaks. And I am convinced that this is at the heart of the gospel message, relationships with God and with others. Of course, Jesus wants a real and authentic relationship with us where we're not hiding our doubts in the closet. And Jesus promises us that whenever two or more of us are gathered in his name, he shows up. And thank God, because we so need each other. For some people, faith is easy. For others, more difficult. 
and then life happens. And there may be some seasons where doubt casts a huge shadow. But this is why we are meant to do faith in community. This is why we have to keep showing up, holding each other's hands and creating space to hear one another's stories, our joys, our struggles, and our doubts. And we always need to take our cues from Jesus, right? Did you see how Jesus handled this doubter? Jesus didn't ignore him or shame him or give him the hairy eyeball to keep his doubts to himself. Jesus took a few steps towards Thomas, and when he spoke, his voice was filled with compassion. Peace be with you. Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas didn't even have to ask. Jesus made the first move with love and grace. We're so afraid of the messiness and the discomfort of doubts and questions that I think we sometimes lose sight of the relationship, of the grace and the love that is just for us. I will say that it is much easier if we would just keep our heads down, our questions and our doubts to ourselves, and continue moving with the herd. And I think I've mentioned this before, but you know that a herd of sheep will just blindly follow each other right off the side of a cliff. Obviously, not Presbyterian sheep. I love being Presbyterian, reformed and always reforming, with scripture, creeds, confessions, our fathers of the faith, our experiences, and always, always looking through the lens of love and relationship that Jesus demonstrates over and over again. We really are invited into the messiness of questioning, and yes, even doubting. David Lowe's adds, I think that if we don't have any doubts or questions, we're probably not taking the story seriously enough. Question and wonder and doubt and even skepticism are signs of interest and curiosity, and these are the ingredients of a deep relationship with Jesus. Quite often, this is the soil in which vibrant faith is born and acted upon. It's how the PCUSA became trailblazers in the civil rights movement and, and for women who finally made their way to be able to be in ministry. See, there were faithful men and women who trusted that God is bigger than all of their doubts and their questions. Mike Iaconelli writes, in a healthy family, children's questions are not about answers, their questions are about relationship. Children intuitively know when their questions are welcomed, appreciated, which translates to the child feeling welcome and appreciated. In this welcoming environment where questions are safe, children are infected with curiosity, a fascination with truth, an unrelenting hunger to know and be known, to capture and be captured, to touch and be touched. When these children finally fall asleep at night, they are secure in the knowledge that the one who loves them 
is bigger than all of their questions. Make no mistake about it, doubt is powerful. It can certainly leave us feeling empty and frightened. Yet doubt challenges us to stay in relationship with God and to move towards a deeper trust in God. When we have doubts, we acknowledge that we don't have all the answers about our faith or about God. But what we do know is how much we are loved and to whom we belong. In Disney's animated story, Toy Story, Woody, who is a toy cowboy, confronts Buzz Lightyear, a toy astronaut, with the fact that Buzz Lightyear is only an action figure and not really a space hero. Early in the movie, Woody shouts, you're not a space ranger, you're an action figure, a child's plaything. But only after failing to fly, Buzz realizes the truth of Woody's statement. Grief-stricken and disillusioned, Buzz hangs his head in resignation, declaring, just a stupid little insignificant toy. Woody later finds his friend to comfort him by underscoring the love of the boy who owns them both. Woody says to him, you must not be thinking clearly. Look over in that house. There's a kid who thinks you're the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger. It's because you are his. As Buzz lifts his foot, he sees a label affixed to the bottom of his little shoe. There, in black permanent ink, is the name of the little boy to whom he belongs. Seeing the name of his owner, Buzz breaks into a smile and takes on a new determination to get back home. Friends, there's a God who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you are perfect or because you never question or never doubt. It's because you are his. And in response to this great love and abundant grace, might we come out from behind the shadow to join Thomas, our twin, and exclaim, My Lord and my God.